Welcome to an American Conversation podcast, a podcast about a comedian, a feminist, and two Republicans meeting in different bars every week to discuss what the hell is happening in America today. Each week we deliver gripping news and information with the understanding that as Americans, we can agree to disagree and laugh while doing it. Revelation, Leland, Rose, David, and Jeff are not experts. Although Rose thinks she is, listen in every week. Be that fly on the wall. Hey, everybody, it's Leland, and I am back with Rose and our very good friend Bill Brand, the mayor of Redondo Beach. And we felt that we needed to come back and talk a little bit more about what's going on with the ASE plant and I actually wanted to bring up the homeless situation and our first conversation was so good so informative we had so much good information going on whoops <laughs> and so here's Bill back again hey, hi Leland. Bill how are you fixing this uh, yeah don't worry about that go ahead and just here. talk on in there I don't think you'll yell anything to that. yeah yeah no this is perfect Good to be back. Good to have you back. Now, first, I wanted to ask you, uh, what does AES, oh, no, AES stand for? Well, uh, it's the name of a company in Arlington, Virginia, and I've never actually seen it written this way, but I think it means Arlington Energy Services. Ah. So uh, it's just an acronym. Okay. That, uh, really, it's not people's names or anything like that. It's just AES. Uh, AES. All right. And that is the big building with the whale wall painted on it, correct? Yes. Yeah. 50-acre site. 50 acres? It yeah. doesn't look that big to me. Uh, yeah, if you stand back and really take a hard look at it and you want to know what 50 acres looks like, that's 50 acres. So wow. It's hard to see the whole thing uh, from any vantage point. Maybe very, we need to do a difficult. helicopter ride. Well, or a drone, or you can go to the top of what's called the Redondo Tech Center up on the roof and you can look down and get a much better, much better idea how big it is. Or just look at some of the aerial photos that are online. Redondo Tech Center, what is that? <laughs> That's that giant building that looks like a Mexican prison on Catalina Avenue, uh, just north of Barrel. I've never seen it. Yeah, I'll have to go check that out. I gotta I'm go check it out. Very tall, like 60 feet tall. Um, they have a lot of different businesses in there, storage area, things like that. Oh, the, m the newer type place, right? Is that what you're talking about? It's not that new. I'm guessing it's 20 years old. Oh, I don't know. I'm so old. Yeah. I've been here for so long. When you see it, you'll, <laughs> you'll go, oh, that's what he's talking about. Is that near that art uh, warehouses? No, it's just right behind the power plant. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think it's kind of by there. Which is, wh I see what you mean. Yeah. Let's go sneak up it's on, on the roof. It's on Catalina Avenue. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Catalina <laughs> Avenue and uh, a little bit north of Broadway. Okay. You can't miss it, trust me. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll keep our eyes yeah. open. So, Bill, let's talk about this AES site. And um, what is it that you would like to do with that site? Is it still uh, being used for the electric company only periodically? And it's next year going to be maybe obsolete? Well, um, maybe start with what's going on right now. Uh, it's due to retire the end of next year, okay. December 31st, 2020. And they're actually trying to extend that expiration date that was set by state law so uh, we're going to Sacramento going to San Francisco making a lot of arguments about why we do not want to see that plan extended one single day it does operate occasionally rarely uh, and when it does a lot of people know about it blows off steam makes a lot of noise can spew off a lot of black smoke 
uh, but it does operate occasionally. That smoke uh, that it blows off, is that pollution? Uh, yeah, that's what that would be. Oh, <laughs> so it's not just smoke? steam, because I think I remember reading somewhere that they were like, no, no, it's just steam, it's nothing bad. Yeah, that's a lot of nonsense. Oh. When you see steam, you can be sure that there's uh, more than steam in there. I get there's a lot of black of soot in, in my house. Is that from that? I don't know. Uh, or from the Chevron from. plant. No, you're too far away from the Chevron plant. But uh, it could be. Depends. Like I said, the plant operates rarely. The wind would have to be blowing out of the northwest for it to be hitting your house. But what comes out of there are things like uh, fine particulate emissions, which uh, causes cancer, causes, uh, causes heart disease, uh, can trigger an asthma attack, can trigger a heart attack. Uh, and those are the fine particulate emissions. Also coming out of there are nitrous oxide, sulfur oxides, carbon monoxide. It's, uh, it's quite a cocktail of stuff coming out of there. So when you see, quote, unquote, steam coming out of there, that means the plant's operating. That means it's emitting dangerous pollutants. So uh, don't go jogging past that. Well, uh, maybe not while it's operating. Wow. We might find some better place to I go jogging. I thought it was shut down. It's operating? Yeah, rarely, but it does operate. Did and you hear the noise that when no, it goes off? No, but for what? What is it operating for? What it's is it doing? generating power. It burns natural gas, generates power, sends the electricity out to, quote, unquote, the grid. It doesn't provide local electricity. Uh, it goes out to the regional grid, which is then distributed throughout our area, what they call the Western LA Basin sub-area. Wow. So, um, but it's rarely called upon. It's very old, very inefficient, very expensive. They rarely, rarely get called up to operate. But when they do, they do. And they make a lot of money and they spew a lot of pollution. Ugh. So, uh, mm -hmm. and make a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. um, it's an old plant, it's kind of like, uh, the, the analogy I give is delivering pizzas, you know. They did last time, you know, you know Chrysler 69 V8, you know. Which would be fun. Well, it could be if you got a convertible and, you know, <laughs> eight, eight track tape player. But, right, uh, right. That's the era that you're talking about that uh, when this plant was built. So uh, it's very old, inefficient. How would uh, we even get rid of the building? It seems to me that the cost of getting rid of the building would be outrageous because of the equipment inside and probably yeah you look at it and it's it's daunting you know it's there's I really would use the word ugly but go ahead yeah we, even ugly, with the whale wall daunting. isn't yeah. that like world renowned like people travel all over to go see this whale and wall uh, I don't like it but well, I don't either there's, <laughs> yeah. it's, there's mixed reviews about it there's a, about a hundred of these worldwide he doesn't do them anymore but um, uh, Robert Weiland he's right. done you know to try to beautify what would be other, otherwise an ugly industrial facility. Uh, so, I, you know, it's not fine art. It's never never pretended to be fine art, but it's 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 decorative. What would otherwise be just a gray wall. So That's um, true. You know, better than nothing. But, uh, yeah, it's daunting, the idea that all that would come down. But uh, believe you me, <laughs> if they were allowed to build 3,000 condos, all that would be coming down. That site would be remediated. They'd be cleaning up, and they'd be building those condos, you know, Within if a couple of years, if they got the, the, the financial return to do something like that. So to think it can't be done is just wrong. It absolutely can be done. It's been done all over the world, and it'll get done here. If but we really did the parkland, would we be responsible for tearing it down, or are they responsible because it was theirs and they're done with their lease? Well, it's, it's their mess, and they would always say that they're responsible for the remediation of the site, no question about it. But they're also going to want to be able to justify financially uh, tearing that down and redeveloping it and, and doing whatever happens there so um, and that's why we're working with them we're working with them and, and the potential new buyer 
to find monies uh, at the state and county level uh, to, um, yeah, do something for the public, do something nice for the public. Are they pushing for one thing or another thing, parks or buildings? What are they pushing for? Well, the first thing we need to do is get it retired. Um, but they're not pushing, quote-unquote, for anything right now. I haven't seen any plans or what they plan to do. Uh, the last plan I saw of theirs was 650 condos and, you know, another hotel and uh, 100,000 square feet of development, no park. Uh, that was in 2015, I believe, or 20, 20, yeah, 2015. We yeah. can't deal with it more traffic. That's though. exactly what I was thinking. That's a lot of traffic. Yeah, and it's just mostly more residential, which, you know, we don't need either. I mean, people say there's a housing shortage, but Redondo Beach has uh, 12,000 residents per square mile. And the schools are full. Um, we have basically traffic gridlock going out in the morning and coming back in the afternoon. Yeah. Residential development doesn't pay. A lot of people think that we make a lot of money on residential development when, in fact, we only get 17% of the property tax revenue back to the city of Redondo Beach that you pay in property taxes, and that's it. And yet we got to provide all the public infrastructure and and public safety requirements uh, that, you know, just doesn't pay. It costs us money, in fact, to maintain residential development. So We have about one empty house per block where I live. Mm -hmm. What like do you mean empty? Empty, about to be torn down and rebuilt into some monstrosity. Right, right. Yeah, that's happening. Uh, uh, unfortunately, you see a lot of, like, 1920s-style beautiful cottages, classic, that, um, you know, honestly, usually somebody dies... Yeah, that's exactly uh, There'll what it be is. two or three heirs, and some developer will come by and go, hey, you know, it's zoned for three units. Uh, I'll give you X amount, and the heirs are like, okay. And, and the original owners are gone, and the developer comes in and builds, you know, two-story, uh, three-unit complex on what used to be a, a beautiful little 1920s cottage. Yeah. I, I saw a dump out here in Hermosa Beach. I mean, to me, it was a dump. $1.7 million. Yeah, they're buying the land. They're not buying the house, obviously. Um, yeah, a lot of houses are just the, the value of the land. My house is just the value of the land. They consider my house to tear down. Well, you okay. would consider it a dump. You haven't been inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my house. I would say my house. Um, you know, if you picked up my house and dropped it in Fresno or something, it would probably be worth twenty-five percent of what it's worth being a block from the beach. So uh, it's all about location and. If you've got an old house on top of a prime lot, you're you're buying the lot. You're not buying the house. You you made a correction um, on our on our first um, episode. Do you want to clarify it? Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit in the weeds, but it's important. It's, it's zoning. You know, okay. zoning is what allows people to build certain things on whatever property it is they they own. And uh, zoning goes from commercial to residential, industrial, um, a lot of different forms of zoning, park zoning. But the AES side, everybody always asks me, especially if it's a developer, what is it zoned for? And it's it's permitted, really the only permitted use are parks. So uh, if you're a developer and you're looking at that, um, that's not a lot of value because you don't have the zoning to do anything. You, if it's only permitted to build a park, you couldn't go there and build condos. And there. So everybody looks at it and goes, oh, wow, that, that property is very valuable. I go, well, no, not really. <coughs> And uh, what I said last time was that it was zoned uh, industrial or parks, but it's really not zoned industrial. Yeah, technically, if you look at a zoning map of Redondo Beach, it's kind of interesting. You'll see all the different zonings around town, and they do have a map. That one is zoned something called PGP, Parks and Generating Plant. And the generating plant basically means that you, you could build uh, an 
new power plant there on con with conditional use as a public generating facility under certain conditions, but it's not permitted. So it would be up to the council or somebody to actually allow for that to happen. So it's not technically, as I said last time, zoned industrial. Is a site that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I have a so. better idea. Instead of another electric company, let's give everybody in Redondo Beach solar panels. Yeah, well, uh, that's a whole other issue, and it's kind of being done at the state level. So uh, tax breaks, things like that. So, uh, yeah, and we've really, uh, relaxed some of our codes, building codes, to allow for solar panels to go up. Distributed solar is a big part of the future of energy generation in a lot of areas around, well, all over the country, but uh, particularly in places, sunny places like Southern California. You know, I wanted to talk about the initiatives yeah. that you're proposing. Or proposed or proposed floated. or floated yeah, there's been from a lot of them. 2008 <laughs> to 2017. Yeah. I Why don't think, we start uh, with Measure AA? Measure DD, you mean? I'm sorry, yeah, DD. Yeah, I remember yeah. Measure DD. That's been around DD. for a while. Got them blind, too. Yeah. yeah. So what? first off, what's an initiative? Last time I talked about referendums and how you can just call for a public vote. Well, the other way the public participates in the legislative process or setting laws is they can just write their own law and write an initiative. And if you get enough signatures, it'll get on a ballot. And then the people will vote for it. So you could just totally bypass uh, the normal legislative process by getting people to sign your initiative, getting it on a ballot, and then having them vote for it. So uh, wow. it's very common, actually, <laughs> in uh, California. Uh, it you've is. Seen that, I don't think it is in the Northeast. <laughs> well, it depends on which state you're in. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly how many states allow initiatives, but I think uh, a lot of them do. California is one of them. And some initiatives come forward, they're very self-serving, they're floated by industry, and they're couched in, you know, we're gonna do some, some green technology project, or we're gonna improve the health of the community, or we're gonna do this, or we're gonna do that, when really, if you drill down on it, the initiative is really just for their own benefit. But most initiatives are what they call public initiatives, which are floated by the public. And uh, Measure DD, going back to 2008, was a result spoke earlier about the heart of the city project um, you know keep working our way back that was in 2001 2002 we did two referendums to stop it but the council kept coming back with these big development ideas and rezonings for what to do uh, not only with the power plant but land east of it and the waterfront I remember that they kept trying to reword it to make us suckers into signing up for more apartments and well they were rezoning land. they were rezoning the land uh, and upzoning it really uh, to allow much more development than, than what people realized was coming. And so, once we had the two successful referendums and we listened to the city council at the time and the staff and what they were planning to do, because it was a big defeat for them for uh, two referendums to come forward and, and stop what they'd been working on for years, spent millions of dollars on. And so they broke up this big project into three pieces, and they said that's what they were going to do. The planning director at the time, Randy Burler, said, we're going to break this up into three pieces. We're going to start east of Catalina, then we're going to go to the waterfront, and then we're going to circle back around the power plant. So instead of doing this grand vision of all this rezoning with all this large upzoning and, and uh, what I would term overdevelopment, most people termed overdevelopment, they were going to break it into pieces. And we were sitting there in the audience, me and this guy, Jim Light, realizing holy cow these guys are going to get, get away with it anyway by just breaking it into smaller piece, pieces because we can't keep doing these referendums over and over and over again and stopping projects and so that's when we started figuring out that uh, we could do an initiative 
that amends the city charter to always require a public vote if they do a major upzoning. And that's what those wow. referendums were about, was a public vote. Hey, we just want to vote on it. That's it. Uh, if you're going to do this, then the public should be voting, not three council members approving it in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, and that's exactly what we did. We um, wrote an initiative that amended the city charger, charter to require a public vote on what became known as major changes in allowable land use, which is a lot of words for upzonings. So if the city wanted to upzone it, fine. Uh, if you want to build 3,000 condos on the AS site, well, then it's got to go for a vote. If you're going to build 750,000 square feet of development in the waterfront, well, then it's got to go for a vote. But only for upzonings. Only for upzonings. So uh, you already had zoning set. This didn't affect the current zoning. It was just if you were going to upzone these areas to a large extent, there were certain thresholds within there, then it was going to have to go for a public vote. So we got the signatures. Took two signature drives. First signature drive failed. But the se- second signature drive was successful. We got it on the ballot. And in 2008, um, <laughs> well, we, you know, as it wound down, we really thought we were going to lose because uh, all the big forces in Redondo were against it. The entire city council was against it. The entire school board was against it. Wow. Um, they spent about $150,000 opposing it. Wow. There were no unmeasured DD signs all over town. All over town. We thought we were going to get creamed, frankly, even though we'd gotten it on the ballot. We didn't have the money to campaign. I think we might have spent $10,000 campaigning for it. And so when the election that came out, <laughs> we, were so, we were so afraid that we were going to lose. Uh, the reporters were calling, go, where are you guys going to watch the election results? Right? That's what they always want to know. Yeah. If you're a candidate, are you going to measure? We wouldn't tell them because we were just afraid the, camera, the, you know, the photographers are going to show up and take pictures of us. You know, <laughs> frowning or dejected, or we wouldn't even tell them. So anyway, we literally watched the election results at my house. There were like half a dozen of us. Didn't think we were going to win, and sure enough, man, we won by fifty-eight percent. Wow, that's yeah. huge. Yeah, we. I mean, we just couldn't believe it. I mean, we were just like blown away, blown away. We were just whooping it up, and and uh, then the reporter called. Then we told them where we were. <laughs> And then he came and took a picture. So anyway, Measure DD uh, passed, and that was huge. That, that got more votes than anything ever in the history of Redondo Beach. Good 17, job, 17,000 votes. Good job. Okay, let's so, move on anyway. to Measure G. What is that? Okay, so <laughs> uh, we can go through each of these, uh, but it would take too long. But I'll say Measure G was the result of Measure DD because as soon as Measure DD passed, there was a new zoning moving forward in the waterfront that allowed 750,000 square feet of development in the waterfront. I remember that figure quite well because it helped us get signatures. And uh, the council claimed that they had already uh, approved that zoning, and so it was too late to put that up for a vote, even though Measure DD had passed. And we said, au contraire. (laughs) Um, That zoning had not been approved uh, by the Coastal Commission, and therefore it was not effective. And now that Measure DD passed, you were going to have to put it up for a vote. And so uh, they said, no, we don't. We said, yes, you do. No, we don't. Yes, you do. So it turned into this, this back and forth. Um, and we, st- <laughs> we actually raised money to file a lawsuit against the city because they were violating Measure DD. So when um, I say we, I didn't really file the lawsuit, but uh, I think it was filed by a group called Building a Better Redondo. And um, I did certainly help raise money. And we raised enough money to file a lawsuit saying you have to put that up for a vote. 
and uh, so there was a you know a judge ruled on uh, the arguments that we made that the city made uh, all in our favor said absolutely this has to be up for a vote and ordered it on a ballot and that became measure G G as in girl so um, what was amazing was it measure G passed right we had done all this work to stop all these big major upzonings and let the people vote and let them understand it we even filed a lawsuit to make them put it on the ballot and then it passed which uh, we felt was just like just like a really a blow to the gut I mean we were like holy cow people voted for this but if you I read think that it was misspelled or misread or put out there well, the ballot language it was hard to understand I remember everybody was going no no you have to vote yes no yes it was it was <laughs> yeah. very difficult to understand well um, and that's was the problem and the ballot language read things like uh, comply with Coastal Commission recommendations get a park at the AS site the ballot language was very biased and it wasn't even accurate so um, but the ballot language decided by the City Council and the city council was all for Measure G except for me. So it was it was uh, four to one on the city council for this ballot language. And unfortunately, I kind of fooled the voters. But once Measure G passed, then the council launched into this big uh, effort to create a very, very large project in the waterfront, which became ultimately years later known as uh, the Center Cal Project. So the approval of Measure G laid the foundation for the council and the developers to move forward on this large project, which we told people was coming when Measure G was on the ballot. Said, you know, they said this is a, couldn't, you know, had height limitations in it and far ratios and all this stuff. And and I characterize it as a blank check. I go, no, you guys don't understand. This is a blank check on development in Redondo Beach. They're going to be able to build whatever they want. Basically, you're not going to like it. But we lost like 52 to 48, and um, people really didn't understand it, and everything kind of disappeared, and they took off, uh, did a request for proposal, and all the developers came flying in with this huge zoning now. And uh, yeah, just <laughs> cutting cutting to the chase. Then we saw what happened recently with the Cal project, which is a large, you know, 525,000 square foot project all south of Portofino Way. And um, that was really the result of the zoning that Measure G allowed. Are those all the restaurants? Are you talking about the pier? Well, that's the area. When okay. I say south of Portofino Way, Portofino Way, a lot of people don't know, heads out to the Portofino Inn. Uh-huh. It's right next to the Crown Plaza and bike shops on the north side. And on the south of that, to the left, looking out to the ocean, was the area all the way to the pier, through the pier area, that they were talking about. So all those restaurants yeah. that seem outdated, yeah. that Frank Sinatra probably hung out. Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay. They need revitalizing, but oh, not supersizing, time. which was our slogan, revitalize, not supersize. Well, isn't like that a shade... Uh, Shade Hotel part of that? Yeah. No, no. No? That's north of that. that, that that's the other important oh, okay. part. Of it. They were just south of Portofino Way. Shade, that whole area, not even included in this. 525,000 square feet. Well, how big is that? A lot of people are like, well, how big is that? 525,000. Nobody, most people don't know how big that is. But as a comparison, the Plaza El Segundo, which most people know, where they've got a Best Buy and, and all these various uh, Whole Foods, large, large Anthropology. Yeah, that's, uh, that's <laughs> I believe that's 460,000 square feet. Oh, that place is huge. Yeah, thank you. Wow. And this was bigger than that. So when does construction start? Well, the project got killed, basically. Um, so 
I guess I'll finish the story. Yeah, so no, this project comes forward, and this was recent. This is what people know. Uh, it was known as the Center Cal Project, but it was it was it was a partnership called Redondo Beach Waterfront LLC, and it was a partnership between Center Cal Properties, which is headquartered in El Segundo here, and Westport Capital, which was a capital arm behind it. And so um, they crafted this big project based on this zoning, with really very very narrow support with the city council, um, and. <laughs> yeah, I think anybody who saw the model, uh, most people who saw the model, because they eventually built a 3D model of the project. And when they went, built that model and we took pictures of it and people went down and looked at it, people were aghast. Was it horrendous? Oh, my God, it was huge. They had a three-story parking structure right across the street from the Crown Plaza, like 40 feet tall. Oh, by Ruby's? In that parking lot. Wow. With that a 700-seat movie theater right next to it. <gasps> Wow. Movie theaters yeah. don't work in Redondo. We had one. It didn't. Well, it was Hermosa, actually. Yeah. Didn't happen. Well, not a 700 seat one. No, oh, man. <laughs> I mean, you That's know, the, huge. the waterfront isn't for movie theaters. Uh, but anyway, um, we and a lot of retail. A lot of retail. I mean, we, we called we it a mall. Don't need that. It was that. basically a mall. It was yeah. restaurants, retail, movie theater, a hotel. I mean, they, they had it all. And a giant parking structure, like, you know, you see anywhere you go west of Harbor Drive. It's going to block the view. And so, um, you know, I was against it. Most people were against it, as we came to find out. And uh, it ended up on a ballot. So that's what became Measure C. So we were talking about initiatives. Uh, people got together and wrote initiative, not yet another initiative, Measure C, to rezone that area so that you couldn't build a large parking structure there. You couldn't block the view along the entire almost is that passed? Harbor Drive. So what happened was in 2017 on the election, um, on the ballot was Measure C, was uh, various um, elected official seats like mayor, which I ran for, Council District 2, Council District 1, and Council District 4. So uh, everything was kind of on the table, really was. And there was an appeal to the Coast Commission about this project. And there was a lawsuit now, uh, I call it an environmental impact lawsuit uh, challenging the environmental impact report that the city had certified so there's a lot going on and uh, so they had the election in March and there's kind of two parts to this there's not just the project there's the lease right so a lot of people don't realize that Redondo Beach owns most of the land down there. it's city land right and what we've done over the years is lease it out to various you know businesses you see down there shade hotel um, Ruby's. Uh, Ruby's. So they don't own the land. They lease it from the city. Right. Ruby's okay. leases the land. Shade Hotel leases the land. Is Captain it expensive? Kids leases expensive? the land. Well, right now it's not because, you know, <laughs> it needs upgrading. It, yeah. yeah, it's totally yeah. torn apart. Yeah. But, boy, yeah. I would love to own a piece of land right there. Well, it's um, it's it's complicated because a lot of people go down there and like the charm of it. You know, the old right. harbor kind of. You don't see that anywhere. But it needs fixing up, right? It needs revitalizing. Yeah, there's like not one place to bring your paddleboard yeah. in and out, and that's so that sucks. was our that was our rallying cry: revitalize, not supersize. It needs to be updated. Don't yeah. turn us into Santa Monica. Just fix it up, update it, make it nice. And that's what people thought was going on until yeah. they saw the model. So, um, as uh, I have I've somebody who wants to open up a restaurant there. Oh, They're everybody like it has I, to be updated. Everybody, well, you know, that's how you get those places updated you offer them an attractive lease and they exactly. come in and they spend the money on the investment and that's the reason much of it is run down is because the city put a freeze on writing new leases while they spent years 
working on this giant project. So you can't start signing new leases because no one's going to come in and invest unless they can get a long-term lease to rec exactly. you know, recoup their investment and make some money. That's how it works. So if you freeze any new leases, basically, that has any real meaningful revitalization, well, then the place runs down. And that's exactly what happened. I use it on the rocks as exhibit A. On the rocks is an incredible location, right? You know where I'm talking about? It yes. Right there on the waterfront. Mm -hmm. And we had an investor come forward, want to invest, you know, a million and a half dollars in it, turn it into a nice nightclub and have an incredible restaurant there. Oh, I would love that. Right? And so uh, we turned him down. Or they actually walked away because we told them we needed an option to, ex to, to end your lease with only six months' notice. What? Yeah, because we're working on this big project. Huh. Because we're working on this giant project led by Center Cal and Westport Capital. But it ended. The project ended. Well, right? well, now we're in lawsuits. But what I'm the, oh, what I'm losses. trying to explain is a big part of the reason why it ran down is because we were not writing leases for a long time, not getting that 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 investment from the private sector uh, while we were working on this giant. And currently, small you're not. There's no leases now. The well, there's leases down there, but new leases, we're not I mean. writing new leases right now okay. because we've been sued now by CenterCal uh, numerous times. So I is it Redondo Center Beach? Cal. I should say Redondo Beach Waterfront LLC, which is Westport Capital, led by Gregory Geiger and and um, and um, CenterCal Properties, led by Fred Bruning and John Paul Ward. Where does this money so, come from when we're being sued? Well, it comes from them. Well, when we, we have to pay them or we have to pay our lawyers, where does this money come Out from? Out of our pocket. Oh, taxes. Uh, from the city of Redondo Beach. Yeah. yeah. They got no they're money. Not, they're, they've sued Redondo like three or four times. I can't even keep track of it. And they sued me personally. In fact, I'm still I think being I remember sued reading that. That's horrible. It's unbelievable. They hid behind two residents who were big activists in favor of the project. And when Measure C passed and I got elected and Nils Narenheim got elected in Council One, these two residents sued me, sued me personally along with Nils Nerenheim and Rescue Our Waterfront, which was the pack that was, uh, you know, looking for, you know, kind of revitalize, not supersize our waterfront. And, um, well, right away, the press called these two people, Arnett Travis and Chris Boise, who were suing us. You know, who's paying for this lawsuit, right? Because lawsuits aren't cheap. And at the time, they claimed they were paying for it. And if they weren't paying for it, and the reason we were so interested in that is because it would become... It was a developer that was paying for it, i.e. Uh, Redondo Beach Waterfront LLC. Then it would be an anti-slap suit. What's an anti-slap suit? Well, it stands for slap stands for strategic lawsuit against public participation. So when um, a, this is a good example, when a project uh, begins to get undermined, uh, often uh, large corporations or even agencies will sue individuals to really. Um, discourage them from participating in the process and it works it scares people Isn't that obstruction <laughs> yeah well it basically is and i think there's uh. about 30 states in america that have anti-slap statutes and um as did this uh when they had a ballot we had a measure to increase their taxes on the ballot they sued uh two individuals who were just residents who wrote opinions uh against or for the measure that was going to raise their taxes and they sued them claim that their, their argument was wrong on the ballot and, and you know they're providing erroneous information and so they immediately filed anti-slap suits and they won the, uh, the residents won and then AS had to pay their uh, pay their attorney's fees but it still instills fear right in the public I'm not going to write an editorial yeah. 
I'm not going to write an opinion on a ballot. I might get sued. So that's why they have anti-slap statutes because if you're a corporation that does that, then guess what? You're going to have to prove that they were actually trying to well, it's very complicated. It's, it's a lot of legalese. I don't want to pretend like I have the expertise, but it turns it around on them that they have to prove their case before they can move forward with uh, uh, their litigation. And so it really puts the onus on them, and if they lose, then they have to pay legal fees. So that's why they have anti-slap statutes. So anyway, we were very interested in this, in this lawsuit, but they claimed that they were paying for it. So if residents, if residents file a lawsuit against other residents claiming, you know, violations of fair political practices, campaign rules and regulations, then you can't file an anti-slap suit. Wow. But yeah. it came out that they were through ASC. Uh, AES. Yeah, well, it's it's not AES. AES. This is not AES at all. This is Redondo Beach Waterfront LLC, mm -hmm. uh, again, which was led by uh, Westport Capital, Center Cal Properties. And we always thought that's who was paying for it, but they claimed they were paying for it. So... Um, we you got that kind of extra money, Jesus. They were pushing this litigation, went on for 17 months. We had 11 depositions. As soon as we got in the depositions with the main players in all this, uh, we asked uh, Chris Voise and Arnett Travis, who's paying for this? Are you paying for this? And their attorney, Bradley Hertz, directed them not to answer the question. Mm -hmm. So in a deposition, you, you know, you can't lie, you're under oath, but you don't have to answer the question. So they just refused to answer the question. So this litigation all proceeded for 17 months before we went to a trial. We wow. literally went to trial after these mandatory settlement conferences, which uh, their last settlement to us was give us $500,000 and admit everything. <laughs> they were suing us, claiming that I was a controlling candidate of the Rescue Our Waterfront PAC, Political Action Committee, and I didn't state properly on my campaign forms, which I didn't because it wasn't true. And the other thing was that they were claiming that Rescue Our Waterfront was a primarily formed committee to get Measure C passed, not a general purpose committee, which they had claimed they were on their on their uh, FPPC form, which is what they were. So, I mean, there were just frivolous, nonsensical charges that were proven erroneous anyway. But it doesn't matter, right? You can sue anybody for anything at any time, and if you've got the money, you can do it. So they basically uh, dragged us through this 17-month legal process and what was the outcome? Five-day trial downtown. As soon as we got them on the witness stand, we started asking them who's paying for this because we thought all along that they weren't paying for this. You know what they said? What? We don't know. Nice. We, we don't, don't know. After 17 months, 11 depositions, they said they don't know who's paying for the lawsuit. But that seems like a blatant lie. Well, yeah. number one, you can't refuse to answer the question because you're in court and the judge is right there. It was a bench trial. And... Um, even one of them, Chris Boise, you can look at the transcripts. The judge asked him directly, do you know who's paying for this? And he said no. And so we got towards the end of the trial. We were on the last day of trial. And I was talking to our attorneys. We had three attorneys represented. I was going, you guys need to call that attorney to the stand and ask him who's paying. Because I can tell the judge was very interested in who is funding this major, major, very expensive litigation. And um, sure enough, <laughs> the attorney calls their attorney, Bradley Hertz, to the witness stand. And, oh, my God, they went ballistic. They were, you know, uh, attorney-client privilege, and just objecting. And the judge perked up. He said, oh, no, no, we do this sometimes. We can do this. So, yeah, come on up. So we ordered their attorney to take the stand. And, and our attorney immediately launched into who's paying you. 
and uh, he wasn't quite asking the question properly. I don't know if anybody's ever been to court and watched attorneys go back and forth and try to word things perfectly, and, and they were objecting to his questions for a variety of reasons, and the judge was sustaining him until, for some reason, the question, who is paying for this lawsuit at bar today, was the right way to an ask the question. Hmm. And the judge overruled their objection. And it was like, you could hear a pin drop. <laughs> and the attorney is on the stand, looked at the judge and said, are you ordering me to answer this question? He said, yes, sir. And he said, Redondo Beach Waterfront, LLC. Wow. Big, giant, kaboom. And uh, this was the last day of trial after all this 17 months. And so anyway, the judge ended up ruling in our favor on all points. And uh, <laughs> we had to we had to pay a legal expert. Uh, they had an expert. The judge declared her a poor witness, um, and he awarded our attorneys eight hundred ninety-eight thousand dollars in fees. Wow, that's a lot of money. We get none of it. A lot of people think that somehow Bill Brand's going to get half a million dollars or something, or I'm going to get something. We Just get, goes all we to get the lawyers. It goes all to the lawyers. I should have been a lawyer. All we got. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. I got nothing but just Great. nice things and wonderful things to say about our attorneys because they still have not been paid. The oh. case is being appealed, of course. Right. I don't know who's paying for their side of the appeal, right? Who's paying for that? Ugh. Um, but the our LLC. attorneys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll find out. Yeah. But our attorneys have not been paid. Our attorneys continue to work. Uh, this was a year ago, so they've been working for uh, two and a half years now uh, without getting paid. They're just willing to keep shoveling money into little. this project so they can build well, their... I'm, you know, I've come to the conclusion Redondo Beach Waterfront LLC uh, really doesn't care about the money. They care about... Uh, uh, it's a vendetta. It's a vendetta against me. It's a vendetta against Milton Ehrenheim. It's a vendetta against Rescue Our Waterfront, Wayne Craig. They don't really care about the money. I think they've got plenty of money. They're doing quite well. They'd rather uh, demonstrate to communities that, you know, if you get involved in this... Uh, we're coming after you. So when I see Center Cal Properties getting involved in El Segundo, where there's a referendum going on right now, I warned one of their council members. I go, you better hope that all goes well. Because when it didn't go well in Redondo, they came after me personally. Ooh. So, uh, you know. Do you have a personal lawyer that you're yeah. dealing with? Yeah, yeah. Steve Cullen uh, represents me. And that's through Redondo? No. Just no. your own? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, the city isn't defending me. Wow. Uh, because this was related to... Look... Um, Redondo Beach Waterfront LLC knew exactly what they were doing. We are not going to file the lawsuit. We're going to recruit two, two residents to do it for us. And we're going to file on campaign violations. Just trump up some campaign violations so that it's a personal lawsuit that doesn't involve the city. So uh, uh, they knew what they were doing. Oh, yeah, they knew exactly what they were doing. And now they're appealing it, which is amazing. So And they just keep writing checks. And how long do you think that's going to go on? Well, um, their appeal briefs are due pretty soon, and then we respond to their appeals, and then, then they have uh, uh, oral arguments, and then the appeals court disappears, the three judges, and then they go and uh, decide. So I don't, you know, it could go on for another year. Leland, and we thought there was gridlock in Washington. Yeah. It's right here. <laughs> right here in Redondo it's Beach. It's right here in Redondo Beach. Well, it's not just Redondo. This has kind of become the, uh, the way developers... Uh, get their way, one way or another. So uh, I would encourage any any elected official to be very careful engaging in a public-private partnership. 
because if the private partner often doesn't get their way, they're just going to file lawsuits and tie everything up until they get some sort of settlement and or don't pay fees that they agree to. For instance, uh, Redondo Beach Waterfront is now being sued by a lady by the name of Susan McCabe for $120,000. This was a recent lawsuit. Susan McCabe is a lobbyist who knows the Coastal Commission well, and she worked for Redondo Beach Waterfront LLC as their lobbyist and was charging them, I don't know, I forget the amount, 10000 a month for a year or something. Yeah, anyway. you make some good money as a lobbyist. They owe her $120,000, haven't paid her, and she just filed a lawsuit against them. Yay, good for her. Yeah, they agreed to pay her, you know. <laughs> and, and they did never. They did not. And now she's had to go file a lawsuit. So by the time this is all said and done. And she's so had she's to pay getting bad karma for no money. Well, I, I mean, she's doing what she did for a business. You can call it bad karma, but um, she certainly uh, is not getting paid. And that's why she's had to file a lawsuit. So I don't know what's going to end up happening with that. I don't know any of the details about it at all. All I know is that she's filed in court to uh, get paid from something she did two and a half years ago. So um, it seems to me anyway to be all the rage of developers if they don't get their way to sue and often just not pay fees. I mean, we see the President of the United States do the exact same thing. How many times has he declared bankruptcy? And and people coming forward saying he agreed to pay me and he didn't pay me. And, you know, I mean, that's how a lot of people conduct business. Yep. My father had a friend in construction and they didn't pay in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Bill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you, yeah. you have to engage in the legal process. It's exactly, and they can't afford it. Yeah. Yep. What is your dream come true for this land? Yeah, so um, really what I thought all along should happen is more of a comprehensive rezoning redevelopment where you took the AES and the waterfront into, uh, into consideration as a whole. And that's what the city had did with, done with the heart of the city back in 2001. They were going to build condos and other stuff on the AES site and then a bunch of retail over on the waterfront. And then sure enough, spin the clock forward 15 years later and that's exactly what they were doing again where center cal was going to build this big giant retail movie theater hotel which uh, we so don't need all on the waterfront and then aes was going to build all the condos and all the residential to help support that development so um yeah i mean that's that's what developers would prefer uh, then the residents have to figure out that you know that's not what they would want for their town. They want to revitalize, not supersize. Take the opportunity to get a nice big public park along with some, you know, uh, associated development to make it all happen. And so you know, that's kind of my vision is to restore the wetlands. That, that, uh, How can residents help you make that reality come true? Well, they've been helping already. Yeah. Um, okay. You is know. Is there anything specific that they can do that you can tell them go out and do this? The best thing residents can do is just try to stay informed. Um, Most people, you know, they're just busy. They don't have time to understand what's going on. But, you know, certainly when the elections come up, you really need to spend some time if, you know, if you want to make your town better. Because there's a lot of of mischaracterization of what's going on. Like the ballot language I talked about earlier. If you just read the ballot language, you'd vote for that. A lot of people just go into the ballot box and read the ballot language. Oh, it sounds good to me. Yes. So you get, you know, the best thing a resident can do, from my perspective, is just be better informed. I mean, I've been successful because, because I think I'm on the right side of what the residents want, and so they usually figure it out. And um, this is why Leland wanted you on the podcast as a Redondo resident is right. to make people informed or inform the people of what's going on mm-hmm. in that area. That's right. When you said, right. hey, exactly. we need to get yeah. Bill Brand on because something's happening and the people need to know what's going on. 
So what's happening right now uh, with the power plant is that it's in escrow. Somebody's trying to buy it. Who? Um, Do you know? Well, his name's Leo Pustonikov. Uh-huh. Uh, and they've been in escrow. Sounds like a, a Russian now. to me. He's huh? Puerto Rican. No, I'm yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> no. Friends with uh, No, I don't know if he's done that. What's that, 360? What's it called where you do your... Uh, you know your genetic. Oh, 23 and me. Oh, 23 and me. We just did yeah. that. We're so. doing an episode on that, by the yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's That's funny. Always enlightening. So it's one guy, or he owns a huge company, or he owns part of Russia and wants to. Well, he's here. got partners. Uh, I don't know that much about it, um, but it's a private transaction. You know, a lot of people don't realize AES is private property, and there it's all a private transaction. So you know, so city doesn't have it. anything to do with it. Um, so, yeah, he's... And if he buys it, he can do whatever he wants, or he still has to go through this whole... Uh, he's got to go for a vote, because okay. measure DD, right? He awesome. doesn't have any zoning. And it's all the way he writes it. Well, that's what he comes up with, you know. Uh, about all I've ever done is encourage him to work with the public. I said, you know, bring your ideas to the public and, and get the public on board. So you get the public on board, it's going to be smooth sailing. If the public, you know, doesn't like what you're doing and starts locking horns with you, it's going to be... A, have a tough, tough time. Probably won't be successful. Just ask uh, Center Cal and and what we see going over at Beach City South District now. What's going on with that? Oh, I well, saw the huge a, model for that. Yeah, they have a project. That, and they're doing know, that, right? A lot of opposition already. Oh, for real? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, you got to work with the public. If you just roll out a project, oh, Center Cal, that was a big mistake that uh, Center Cal made, was they went to the healthiest public workshops. I went to uh, seven of eight of them. And the public didn't like what they were seeing, and they were telling them, and they were getting angry. I mean, can you imagine you're a resident, you're going to all these workshops, and, and the developers just coming back with bigger, bigger project, taking away the open space, and just turned into a bunch of boxes that looked like, you know, Santa Monica parking structures. And by the eighth meeting, the last final eighth public meeting, where they were supposed to be crafting this project with public support, they wouldn't even take public comment because people were so angry. And this is for the Beach City Health District? No, 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 oh, okay. no, no, no. This was a Center Cal project. This is, I'm illustrating the mistake that was made that uh, then ended up in this total collapse of the project years later with the passage of Measure C, with my election, Todd Lowenstein, Nils Narenheim, successful EIR lawsuit. That was successful, successful uh, uh, appeal to the Coast Commission. And then finally, I will say, uh, Measure C, when it passed, it had to go before the Coastal Commission because this is all in the Coastal Zone. The California Coast Commission controls what happens in the Coastal Zone. Ultimately, they have control. And so if you change your zoning, which is what Measure C did through a, through a public initiative, it's got to be approved by the Coastal Commission. Uh, so Measure C went to the Coastal Commission, and they always make changes. It's like what happened with Measure G that I talked about earlier. They made changes and came back and went for a vote. So we were afraid that they were going to make changes to Measure C. But the changes that were made to our waterfront were all in keeping with, with the Coastal Act and all in keeping with where the Coastal Commission was going with a variety of issues. And so um, they ended up approving Measure C with no changes. Wow. Which is the, it never happened in the history of the Coastal Commission, where a public initiative comes forward to change the zoning in the coastal zone, and they just accept it as is. So uh, that, that was something historic that happened. So um, now the zoning's been changed, and when all this stuff happened, and when all the lawsuits came flying, and, 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 and. So, 
it's uh, we have a lot going on in Redondo, it's don't we? A up. lot, and it's complicated. It is. Yeah. But Bill, I really wanted to go back onto a subject that we talked about last time: mm-hmm. a homeless in Redondo. Sure. Do we have beds, uh, a facility to house anybody? No, no, we do not have a. a wow. You and know, a homeless is it against facility. the law here in Redondo to sleep in a public area such as Veterans Park? Well, that's actually um, <laughs> working its way to the Supreme Court, believe it or not. Isn't that um, the Boise Act? Is that what that is? Uh, it's um, is it Martin versus Boise, Idaho or something, mm-hmm. uh, where appeals court ruled that an agency cannot stop someone from camping on public property if you have nowhere for them to go. Yes. So um, that's obviously created a lot of problems all over the country. You know, people are camping on sidewalks. Where are they supposed City to go? City Hall. Well, right, exactly. Right. So it's a big problem. And so, um, you know, it's being appealed to the Supreme Court, and we'll find out. Cause, uh, I think they're Why can't take you build day. something, a shelter, or beds? Well, I know we have an Equitus house. Well, that's, what, um, that's what's going on uh, really at the county level because the county has a lot of money. They pass Measure H, and they have hundreds of millions of dollars they can spend uh, every year on doing exactly that and building housing. So... You're seeing some of these projects go up, but it's very, very sensitive. I mean, most people don't want a homeless housing project going up in their neighborhood. So they'd rather just have a homeless person sleeping on their Well, right. That's a great point. So you've got to figure out a way, a a balancing act between maintaining the quality of life of your neighborhood along with providing, you know, housing for people who, number one, want it. Mm -hmm. And uh, number two, it would be appropriate for. So it's, it's very complicated. It's not just a simple... Plus, you have to have land where you're going to build this. Correct. So, uh, do you know the number of homeless that we have in Redondo? Well, they do this homeless count. Which is a really crappy count. Yeah, they do this homeless count every year. And it's kind of, what would I say, um, I'm not a big believer in it. Uh, no, they I, don't I, get it's everybody. It's just like a snapshot. You don't have professional people doing it. You get a bunch of volunteers. At like 4 and, o'clock in the morning. Well, they go around it and they spend the night counting homeless people right. sleeping in their cars and that sort of thing. But it's just a snapshot right. in Very time. Very small amount. And it could be what a good it? night, could be a bad night, and you don't have professionals doing it. But it is something to go by. And so I think the latest count in Redondo was 178 homeless, as I recall. Well, that, that's a well, lot. That's low. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's a lot, but really? I think there's a lot more out there. Okay. I, I mean, 178 is probably what you could count just in Veterans Park alone. But well, <laughs> it, it I wouldn't say that. I walk through Veterans Park every day, and uh, yeah, you well, might I, I see am a joking one or two a bit, homeless. But but um, there's been a lot of issues. For me, everybody knows there's a homeless problem. Mm-hmm. That's what you need to know. You know that people who who are down on their luck and who actually need and want the assistance, need that assistance. Mm-hmm. But you also have people that, that you know need treatment, either for mental problems or, mm-hmm. or drug addictions or that sort of thing. So, look, everybody knows there's a problem. I don't need a count that really doesn't help me. Mm-hmm. All I need to know is, is that there's people uh, out there that, that need assistance, but there's also people complaining that somebody's defecating in their front yard. Right. You know, and they see the churches giving free meals, and they're like, why are you attracting these people to my community when they're stealing bicycles, uh, uh, walking around with no clothes on, yelling for no reason at me and so my kids? So would you say that the empathy level is low in Redondo Beach for homeless people? Well, it depends on where you live. If you live in, in North Redondo certain compared areas. to South Redondo. <laughs> is there a difference? Well, North Redondo seems to be uh, understanding 
of not having a lot of money. R South Redondo South. seems to be uh, oh, wealthier so. people. So that's the Beverly Hills. Of, yeah, uh, okay, it's the Beverly it. Hills of Redondo. <laughs> well, if you're talking to somebody who lives in North Redondo and just spent a million and a half dollars on their home, they Which would I do consider know themselves. Which I just did, but yeah. it seems to be more overcrowded and uh, less... Well, there's a lot of people, you know, if you go out to North Redondo, out into the northern reaches of District 5, there's a lot of really nice single-family home neighborhoods that are more like Mayberry than anything and there's other places that are very densely populated Redondo in general is very densely populated we're more densely populated than Long Beach for example a lot of people don't realize that so it's it's quite a mixed bag in Redondo half the people are renters but uh, the homeless problems felt uh, you know a lot of people know there's a homeless problem and so we're trying to deal with it now do you know if the homeless people in Redondo Beach are Redondo were Redondo Beach residents some are and yeah. some come in well, we have a counselor else. who goes around, Lila, and I mentioned this last time, yeah. who knows the homeless population quite well. And some of them are absolutely people who grew up, went to Redondo Union High School, and, you know, for whatever reason, were down on their luck and ended up on the street. Or some are on the street just because that's where they want to be. So you have to distill out people who, you know, really want help, people that you think will eventually need help, and help them get the assistance that's needed. But you also have people who from out of town who are just, you know, looking for a free food, free meal, looking for a nice place to be. I've seen some um, new people lately. Yeah, they just got out of prison or been out of prison for a little while or go in and out of prison. They have long criminal records. They're looking to commit crimes of opportunity because they know they won't go to jail, whether it's stealing a bike or breaking into a car. So those that's where we've stepped up enforcement. So the council recently allocated extra monies to our prosecutor's office as well as the police to work overtime to, to address uh, some of those other issues. So it's, it's a complicated issue. It's, it's not just a simple act of, of uh, you know, putting people in jail or a simple act of finding places for them to go. It, you know, you have to address the whole spectrum. And uh, we're doing that. Redondo's doing a really good job, frankly. Uh, but we still have a growing population. And we still, you know, it's just not going to, you know, it's going Go on away. all over. Yeah. Uh, yep. Is it against the law to sleep in your car here in Redondo? I don't think it's against the law to sleep in your car. Are you sure? No, I'm not positive. I don't think we have a municipal code that says you can't sleep in your car. Okay, that's good. I like I that. I, I, I don't know that I for a fact. I think that if you're homeless, I've never you're seen it. better off um, being in your car than being on the street. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, um, oh. I think I said last time, something like 60% of people living in their cars uh, have jobs. Right, right. So, yeah, a exactly. big cause of this homelessness in L.A. County is the it's income real gap. Estate. It's the income gap. That's <laughs> a real for, estate. Yeah, well, affordability. It's you so can't expensive. pay for an apartment. Yeah. And you, you can't be given an apartment if you don't have a phone number and a job. and Exactly. All yeah. that crap. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, it's very complicated. It's not as easy as it used to be, that's for sure. Well, it breaks my heart. And if you have anything that uh, us as res residents can do, please let us know. Yeah, as an individual resident, um, what I tell most people is when you see something, you need to report it. A lot of people, um, you know. What do you a, mean by that? If I well, see somebody somebody's defecating in your front lawn, and uh -huh. this absolutely happens, and uh -huh. people come down to the council meeting and complain to us. Uh, somebody's masturbating in front of their house, in front of their kids. It's absolutely. <laughs> I, no, that's I've not had, a joke. No, no, I've had a male do that yeah, in my window. Yeah, so you need to call the police, and that's what I tell people. Right. Don't I just the cops ignore it. I got there too late. Absolutely. So, you know, these real crimes are being committed, and I tell people, you, know, you need to call the police when you see that. And um, but the same token, um, 
you need to support the city in, in trying to help those who need help. Now, we have a partner that's missing today, but he says he calls the police when uh, he finds someone sleeping on a bench. And do the police really come and remove a homeless person that's just taken a rest on a bench? Not likely, no. Okay, well, that's Manhattan Beach, or right? That's Manhattan, Manhattan Beach, and he says they do remove them. Yeah. Yeah. That's evil. Very Well, evil. I, you know, uh, everybody call or people call with a variety of issues, and poli police officers, you know, they have the discretion to enforce or not enforce certain things based on a lot of different elements of what's going on, <laughs> like another call, or I'm not going to spend my time taking a homeless person off a bench, you know. How so. many police officers do we have in Redondo Beach? Uh, 96. Working at one time? Well, no. Well, people get time off. Yeah, no, but I mean, <laughs> how many are, are like cruising the streets at one time, though? It seems well, like we have a lot. What's a, that's a good question. How many do we actually have on the street in any given time? Uh, you know, patrol officers have gone on ride-alongs, and we have five districts, and you usually have a, at least a couple officers in each district at any given time. They get a call. They're immediately backing each other up. Mm -hmm. uh, you have uh, sergeants and other personnel that can come out of the field. You have uh, uh, motor motor cops, motor patrols who are doing uh, traffic control. Uh, they can often be called to a call as well. So um, in terms of a count, you know, at any given time, actually on the street, I would say there's probably 15 officers, 15 to 20 available to go to work at any particular point in time. Okay, that's a good number. Something like that. That's a good number yeah. for... Uh, Don't quote me on that number. <laughs> but, <laughs> for a small uh, town. And if there's an emergency, they can always contact another uh, Another city. agency. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, they all come running. If there's a major event, you know, an armed robbery or, you know, a bank Which robbery. Which I remember we had They'll all come fun. Yeah. Yeah. Remember the jewelry store? No. Oh, it was a couple of years back. Oh, I remember that. that Smash and grab on Torrance Boulevard. Yeah, they came right over to our house, and yep. the guys were driving by, and the cops came. And they was, caught them. Yeah, they did, right they in front of They didn't get out of town. <laughs> they all happened right in front of us. Yeah, we yeah. weren't really sure what was happening. I had a bunch of kids with me, mm -hmm. but they were excited. They yeah, they swarmed around. the neighborhood, and they, and they caught them, which yeah. was a great thing. Well, you know, Bill, we have covered a lot, and I know that eventually we want to go over some more stuff with you, and we would like to invite you back. Oh, I think you should get, like, Councilmember Lowenstein in here. Oh, definitely. Would love or some of the other council next. members, yeah, because yeah. he's a council member in that district. But, uh, yeah, there's plenty going on. You might get some Northern Redondo council members in here to talk about, like, you know, what the homeless problem out there and what they see and how they feel about it as well. I'd have to drive up north to talk to them. Well, we would love to have you back when all these lawsuits and stuff gets resolved yeah. and you have new stuff to talk about. That would sure. be great to inform the Redondo Beach residents, right? Yeah. One well, yeah. thing's for sure. It's going to be very different a year from now. <laughs> Good. <laughs> things change. Uh, you know, hopefully the power plant will be uh, retired or close to, you know, within weeks away from permanently retiring a year from now. Well, I hope we get one though. more art show in there beforehand. Yeah, well, they might. <laughs> or they might have ongoing art shows there. Ideally, really, you that have some fantastic. sort of uh, art museum or some sort of art complex there, uh, in, you know, there forever where we can have art shows and Wouldn't things like that. Wouldn't that be amazing? That. So huh. yes. That's what we really need. I mean, we need that kind of facility down on our waterfront. You don't just need open space. You need, you know, like an art, uh, art museum. You need an interpretive center. You need something in honor of, of the Tongva Indians who... who 
were there for Absolutely. thousands and you thousands go, of sir. years. I love that. It's a state landmark, number 373, because of the Tongva Indians who were there for thousands of years. And then we just so, built the cement right on top you know, of them. You could have some exactly. kind of educational <laughs> institute. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. true. No, they paved it over. They absolutely yeah. did. That whole thing used to be a giant lake. Gosh, man. So, yeah, look at some of the old pictures. We have an old 1906 photo from the Library of Congress. It shows the giant salt lake and all the rail lines going along the lake, and storing the lumber. They were building L.A. Redondo Beach was the port of L.A. for many, many years. Oh, right. Till Didn't the, we have they, pirates and stuff? Till they, till they built uh, the port of L.A. Uh, I guess when did they build the port of L.A.? Probably the early 20th century. Late 19th century. Well, I'm glad that happened down in Long Beach. I, I certainly don't <laughs> want that here. That was just huge. Well, Bill, thank you so much for your time and yeah. all the great information that you gave us. And I hope people start listening to what you have to say. And I hope you don't get sued. Yeah. Or yeah, suing really stops. Me too. Well, both yeah, of those are already so happening. <laughs> I hope you win the lawsuit. Yeah. yeah well, it's in yeah. the appeals. So, uh, yeah, I do too. And so, so do my attorneys. So if the appeal doesn't <laughs> get taken in, then you're good, right? If, if it uh, yeah, they'll have it. to um, probably deal with our lawyers, you know, just as a warning to anyone who gets dragged into one of these lawsuits uh, by a developer. Uh, our attorneys now have a lien on Chris Boise's house. Woo. Wow. Uh, the people who actually owe the $898,000 right now are Chris Boise and Arnett Travis. So they're on an asset search. And they're bumming that they said yes to that. Yeah, if he sells his house, he's going to have to uh, deal with the attorneys because he's the one who filed the lawsuit. Well, there's a million for you if he sells so that house. I don't know what kind of agreement he's got with the people who funded the lawsuit, but it better be ironclad. Otherwise, uh, if we went through appeal, then he'll be having to deal with the attorneys who are due all that money. So if you're thinking about uh, being a party to hide behind uh, a developer that wants to... Uh, you know, carry out a vendetta just because somebody opposed their project, you better tread, tread very carefully. Because, uh, right now, he's the one who owes, him and Arnett Travis are the ones who owe the million dollars. Oh, they must be so stressed. And you heard it here, people. Yep. On an American Conversation <laughs> podcast. <laughs> It's well, going on all over. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Well, thank you for thank you, meeting with us and come back anytime and good yeah. luck. Happy to. Thank you. Right. It's always right. interesting with you guys. <laughs> See you later. Adios. Bye. Join us every week for entertaining and informational time. And if you want to suggest a topic for our show or just want to know more about us, go to our website, www.anamericanconversationpodcast.com and comment away. We will try to respond as soon as possible. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and subscribe to our podcast.